Welcome to the Beloved Community. The Beloved Community is heard on the second Friday at 9 a.m. on KBOO. I'm John Shuck. On the Beloved Community, we address the philosophical and spiritual foundations for nonviolence, activism, political engagement, and peace building. We hear voices of those who are building the Beloved Community right here in Portland. The goal is to make connections, to gain inspiration, solidarity, wisdom, and insight for your own activism. You can find the Beloved Community and hear podcasts of past shows on the KBOO website, kboo.fm. My guests today are passionate, engaging lovers of life and justice. They are both artists. They present their art as a gift to transform the world. We will have a conversation and hear music from Makana, hailing from the Isle of Oahu. Makana is an internationally acclaimed slack key guitarist, singer, composer, philosopher, activist, and one of Hawaii's cultural ambassadors to the world. He's recognized as one of the top guitarists in the United States by Guitar Player Magazine, and he's going to be at the Alberta Rose on October 3rd. Makana is coming up in the second half of the show. My first guest is from Portland. He is a poet, a Black Lives Matter activist, a basketball coach, and a dad to three smart and happy daughters. He is the host of Poetic Justice. Welcome, John Slaughter, to the Beloved Community. Good morning. Glad to have you here. I really enjoyed uh, working with you as you've been filling in for Joanne Hardesty. No, I appreciate you for being that man behind the behind that glass window. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about uh, Poetic Justice. How, how'd you get the name? What's it about? So Poetic Justice actually came, you know, I wish I could really take credit for even the name of the show. Um, I can't even take credit for it. Uh, I literally, I've been traveling the past uh, 10 plus years doing poetry professionally. Uh, and about a, a little more than um, two and a half years ago, I was literally sitting in a uh, living room uh, with a friend of mine named Adrian Wright. Shout out to Adrian Wright. He is uh, the founder of Way Too Hot uh, Productions. He throws a lot of shows here in Portland, a lot of hip hop and R&B shows. And I was literally sitting in his living room doing poetry about an hour, just spitting and reciting poems and he was like slaughter you're dope we need to do something and so to kind of rewind i used to go to the uh the love jones which was here in portland over at the ohm and i was a, a regular there um and so i always wanted to do some, not my own show but just another love jones bringing back the love jones um and if people don't know about the love jones movie it's uh, definitely a Poetry movie with Lorenz Tate and uh, Neil Long. Shout out to uh, the poetry community <laughs> with the Love Jones, who used to actually go out and support the Love Jones at the Ohm. And I just needed to do something. And um, it was basically a kind of a response to the Freddie Gray um, shooting tragedy. There was a lot of talk on Facebook, a lot of just chatter. And I, I'm kind of one of those individuals who, one of my sayings is I like to uh, walk the walk instead of talk the talk. Mm -hmm. And my buddy was like, hey, you know, we need to do something. What about poetic justice? And it, it stuck. And it was almost kind of like how fate is, uh, like fruition. It just, it was meant to be. And so I literally uh, called a couple places to see if I could get a venue for an idea for like an open mic show and um 
Poetic Justice was born. <laughs> so we've basically been around for over two and a half years. And uh, Poetic Justice is a an all-inclusive, uh, all-welcoming, uh, open-mic, facet poetry show in which we feature uh, professional poets. And we, I love having the platform for individuals to come and just share. Um, and so we have individuals who come and share spoken word poetry, uh, free verse, um, haiku, sonnets, and whatever it may be. And I love having the, the platform for individuals to just speak their mind. And, and we don't always, you know, request people to have poems that are justified, um, themed, or um, righteous in, in content or matter. But we are going through, um, I'd say, a, a modern-day revolution. And it, it's a must that we allow individuals who are artistic to be able to share um, with the masses, unmuzzled, uh, unmuted, and to be able to, you know, regardless if we're following constitutional amendments or whatever it may be, just be able to share to the public um, in an artistic form uh, their views. And so as a, as a, as an MC and foundation, um, I love having the, um, the microphone. And I also love having, uh, the time and space to be able to allow others to share. Um, and so that, that's, that's poetic justice. You, you love having the microphone and being able to share the microphone. Yes, sir. Now, do people need to audition? No. So, so, so poetic justice is a movement. Okay. It is, it's an open mic facet to the show we have uh two shows per month bi-monthly i call it uh and then we also promote more um seasoned professional poets uh i get a chance to kind of bring in individuals who are even well known and we just share and so people don't have to audition for poetic justice i tell um, a lot of poets and writers hey you come to an open mic at least once or twice and then you get a chance to be a Poetic Justice Vet. <laughs> we have over uh, 20 plus poets on our roster. Uh, I get a chance to, uh, I have a curriculum to where we get a chance to go into schools. And uh, not only do we share our poetry, but uh, teach kids how to write poetry. Oh, and yeah. yes, and so I've been attached to uh, uh, Verselandia. That's an all district uh, poetry slam that the PIO district puts on. Uh, for a PPS, and so I used to run the poetry club at Benson High School, and so I, I'm I'm literally infused not only with the youth, uh, with the poetry community, but yeah, this is what I do, and so I I just love to be able to share, you know, the art of poetry. Tell me about uh, you said uh, the revolution. Yes, sir. Let's, tell me about the revolution. Well, you know, I'm woke, <laughs> uh -huh. and individuals who are you know uh, alive and woke and in the streets uh, marching on a daily basis. You know, the revolution is something that uh, we don't we don't just joke about. Um, yep. What we saw in Baltimore a couple of years ago, where students were in the streets protesting, rioting, uh, that is the revolution, and we it is. It will not be televised. It is happening right now. Um, what we're seeing on social media, what we're seeing on TV with police killing unarmed, I'll say black men, but individuals, mm -hmm. uh, people of color. And, and right here. Right here, even in Portland. Yeah. What we're seeing, what we saw on the max this past yeah. spring uh, is a reaction to uh, – the powers that be. And, uh -huh. and when we talk about the revolution, the revolution will not be televised, but the revolution is a fight against 
oppression, capitalism, um, white nationalism mm -hmm. that has to do with anarchy. The bad anarchy. There's sometimes good anarchy. <laughs> when we talk about the revolution, we're talking about uh, power to the people. And we're talking about people wanting to buck the system and the system of what we call um, capitalism, uh, what we call oppression, racism. The revolution is real and the revolution, it will not be televised. What we see as in Black Lives Matter, individuals having to protest, gather, march, and I won't say riot, but peacefully demonstrate for rights that were um, humanly given to us as human beings, the revolution is something that is real. And as um, uh, a person who is an activist, uh, I feel like it is my duty to make sure we tell the public, get yourself armed and ready. Get yourself planned and organized. If you want to be heard, you have to join a organization. If you want to be part of an organization, please join something that actually matters. Uh, NAACP, uh, Peacekeepers, uh, Portland Resistance. Uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of organizations and, and groups that people can join to be heard. And so as I wear camo <laughs> almost every day, and you'll see, you see me with my scarf, it's a must that we talk about Oppression. It's a must that we talk about uh, the dehumanizing of colored people. It's, a, it's important that we talk about the pipeline to prison because those things are relevant and real and they're not conspiracy theorist type um, topics. It's just there's data. I mean, it's just oh, for, oh, it's, it's it's everywhere. I mean, just the fact of in Portland of who who gets arrested for yes. jaywalking, all of that stuff. Oh my, I mean, and, this is just so and, and, and it's funny because I, I know gain task force by name uh, -huh. uh I, I get called uh, a sambo by individuals because i get a chance to go in and meet with the coab and talk to police crazy conversations because it is a must that we are on the front lines but dealing with police brutality dealing with accountability with our uh not only our our, our elected officials but our in the individuals who are sworn to serve and protect us mm -hmm. police brutality is prevalent not only in the black community but across the nation it is a must that individuals who are activists and leaders we bring that to the forefront it's a must when we're talking about the revolution it's not just police brutality we're talking about it's more than just gentrification it's yeah. it's, it's more than just keeping these officials or these even individuals even joanne hardesty individuals who are elected officials people who have a platform even on Cable radio. It's important that these individuals who who have a voice that they speak out and that we actually give, um, I'd say, not just a voice, but we give a platform to the people. Um, and that's one reason why I love kind of on community radio because it's it's a must that we share the message of peace, love, but then also prosperity, uh, justice, or else. You know, and so uh, as an individual who did go to the Million Man March, it's a must that we mm -hmm. bring these messages, not just from Farrakhan, but from leaders from the past and our, and our forefathers to be able to solve some of these problems, to be able to have one of those utopian worlds that we all keep talking and dreaming about. John Slaughter is my guest. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, with uh, Poetic Justice. And I wanted to talk about, uh, you have three uh, three young girls yes uh, I'm, I'm i'm a father too yes, and i often think about what is the world going to be like 
when my my now my grandchild, a little grandchild, is my age. Yes. What what kind of world? What kind of Portland do you want to see when your little girls are your age? You know, I I have this poem that I I've been doing for about over a year. It's a poem about Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And um, I haven't done it on air. Usually, you know, I I. I come on Kebu with the radio show and I always spit a poem, you know, and I share my art and I haven't done it yet with Kebu, but it's a poem about Muhammad Ali and how he just wanted to be great. Yeah. And the poem talks about how he was in a car with a religious man and they were going down the road buying Qurans and Bibles. They picked up a vagrant. Anyway, make a long story short, make the poem long from short. Can, can you say the poem? Oh, I can do the poem. You ready? Oh, yeah. Oh, let's do it. Yeah. All right, here we go. So, John Slaughter, Poetic Justice, Muhammad Ali, I just want to be great. Yeah. As we float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Yes. A uh, rumble, young man, rumble, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. We are Ali, rumble, young man, rumble, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Yes. Rumble, young man, rumble, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. We are all Ali. Rumble, young man, rumble. One day, Ali was actually traveling in a car with his daughter driving and a pastor. And they're going down the highway, and they see this vagrant on the side of the street. So they pick him up, and the vagrant gets in the back seat, and he sees Ali. He's like, whoa, the greatest. What's going on? And Ali says, hey, where do you need to go? And the gentleman says, I need to, I'm going home. Will you please give me a ride? Ali says, yes, we got you. We'll give you a ride. Gentleman says, hey, it's it's kind of out of your way, about 30 minutes to an hour. Ali says, ah, oh, we're good. Let's get in the car. So they proceed down the road, and the gentleman kind of looks in the car, and he says, well, champ, where are you going? Ali turns to him and says, hey, we're about to go buy some Qurans and Bibles. The gentleman says, well, I have some Bibles at my house. I would love to give them to you. Ali says, well, we're about to go to your house. I'm, I'm getting your Bibles. So they drive out of their way to the vagrant's house. And they get there. They pull up. They walk inside. The gentleman comes out with five weathered Bibles. And as Ali tries to give him $1,000 per Bible, the gentleman's like, no, I can't take your money. Ali's like, yes. The gentleman's like, no. Ali's like, yes. The gentleman's like, no. Ali's like, yes, please take this money. So as Muhammad Ali puts the $5,000 under a napkin to leave the money for the gentleman. He gets ready to walk up and leave. And as Ali gets ready to leave, Ali's daughter says to the vagrant, hey, if you ever need a ride, here's my card. Please call me. Any day of the week, time or day, please call me. I'll pick you up and take you anywhere you need to go. So the pastor and Ali and daughter start to leave and they give the gentleman a handshake and they leave and Ali starts to well up outside of the gentleman's house. And he looks at his daughter and he says, would you really give that man a ride? Any day, any time. And his daughter says, yes, I would. And that's when Ali saw the greatness. And he said to his daughter, that's me and you. Hmm. And I tear up right now even telling that story, even doing that poem, because I have daughters, and I just want to be great, and I just want my daughters to be great. And what Ali saw was what he was always teaching people 
excuse me, was pure, unadulterated joy, giving back. And he saw it in his daughter's eyes, but he's always been trying to teach people. And, you know, you mentioned my daughters and I'll finish the poem in a second. I just want them to be great, you know? I just yeah. want to be great. And great means good, doesn't it? And great it? just means not just good, but just do it for others as you would want to be <laughs> the golden rule, you know? And so great doesn't mean I'm better than all these no. people I'm going to be. It doesn't Donald Trump great. And, it's a, <laughs> and Muhammad Ali wasn't always trying to teach I'm the baddest, you know, with his rhymes. You know, Muhammad Ali was the first, one of the first MCs. He was an artist. He was. And with his rhymes and, you know, it's. He was always trying to teach peace, love. You know, when he changed his name from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali, it was because he knew that as a Muslim, that name didn't define him. He, he had to change his name because of what he was giving up and the sacrifices, not just to the religion, but to the people. To us as people. And so as we float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, yes. Uh, rumble, young man, rumble, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. We are all Ali. And so I do that poem, and I, I kind of retired it. <laughs> I have a new Prince poem. I've been going through this kind of revelation of sharing uh, pieces about individuals who passed away and given us so much. You know, I, I love to be able to share, but at the same time, it's sharing and I'm a good poet, <laughs> but it's sharing the talent and the greatness. And as I, as I teach my three daughters, and as I get a chance to share, and and you know, I had my daughters here in the studio. You know, last, oh yeah, that was that was marvelous last week. And um, it's funny because I just dropped them off at my my grandparents' house before I had a chance to even come here. And you know, I just want them to give back i want them to be great and i want them to even if they have to follow my footsteps and see even daddy make mistakes or see me you know in the streets marching or even see, seeing me having to stand against individuals who are just downright not good yeah <laughs> it's 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 a must that, and the vast majority of people are just asleep. Yes, not woke. It's it's a must that I show them and pave the way. And so, you know, I not only do I get a chance to use poetic justice as that catapult, um, not only do I, as a person who is from Portland and a known kind of you know person, commodity or whatever it may be, uh, I think it is important that we lead the way. And sometimes I get a chance to use the 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 poetry show as a um a door opener yeah you know and so it make to to make people uh to bring awareness to bring a story yes. but also is at the importance of art um with uh the revolution yes i mean uh that so many things one one is to keep us from just going insane yes right i mean yes. you, you've got to be able to say it or just drives well, within then, uh, for me for me it's that release yeah it's that expression and so i mean i write daily of course <laughs> uh -huh. as, a, as a writer but then also to be able to i say share that message that some people can't 
to be able to uh, speak, and I, I, I'll, I'll quote Mike Capes, real talk, real spill, to speak that spillage that isn't being said. Um, you know, like Eminem should say, I, I say things that some people wish they could say and mm-hmm. can't say, but at the same time, not being shackled, not being muzzled, not being muted, and not feeling that I can't say what needs to be said. And sometimes you have to do it in our artistic form with rhyme and with <laughs> uh, every two to four to six, eight bars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So uh, do you got another one? Do you got another point? I'll give you one. Yeah. Uh, do you want it to be justified, inspired, or, or what, 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 do you, eh, what do you want, John? I want to be justified and inspired. I got you. So I'm going to have to bring the phone out for that one. All right. All right, I got you. So as Poetic Justice uh, is a... A movement we tell people it's not just the movie it's the movement and so if you know about the movie you know about Janet Jackson you know about how it was more of us like a struggle for her and in meeting Tupac it was the struggle altogether and so when you hear the words poetic justice I want people to understand it is poetry but it's a must that we are keeping each other justified. So I have a, oh man, oh my man, I have a lot of, I have a lot of justified pieces, but I'm gonna give you, let's see, let me give you, um, there's this one piece that I just wrote and I wrote it actually in response to, um, actually, Joanne Hardesty had a workshop. She invited me to, props to Miss Joanne Hardesty. And there, Someone mentioned the theme or the term praying with our feet. And I was like, man, and I march. <laughs> I'm in the revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that, that hit me so hard. And I wrote this piece, and it's called Praying with Our Feet. Jim. Today I pray. I pray for my people in our nation and for our friendly faces. I pray for peace, for love. I pray for stoppage of displacement tonight i pray for salvation no casualties actually i pray for black lives to matter i pray for safekeeping i pray for safety today i pray for safe passage no destruction or disaster i continue to pray for care and comfort after confrontation after conversations and after I pray for no bodies with bullets encaptured, no false or fake statements by reactors. I pray that peace stays for unity to help pave the way, hoping not but not hard to stop when collateral damage is captured. I pray. I pray for a better way, a better today, and hoping that I will be better at the end of this stay. I pray. I pray for safekeeping, for instructional, factual teachings and preachings. I pray for non-denominational assistance with poetic attacks and attempts to reaching folks who don't know the way. So today I pray. I pray with my, my hands, my five fingers and my mighty, mighty formed strong fists. I pray to inform, to acknowledge, to praise and worship, to ignore and to resists and today is not promised so i pray till the day is over and until the sun comes up tomorrow i know the day is complete so tonight i pray tomorrow i pay homage and next i will pray 
with my feet. I march for the in prison, for the oppressed, and for the weak. I rally, I revolt, I am revolutionary, and I am a soldier ready for brimstone's fires, the gates of hell. Heck, fallen angels, I'm ready for the heat. I pray today with my movements. Today, I still pray with my feet. No, I will not take a back seat while water hoses force us to retreat. I will not segregate myself just because of separate Confederate states. <laughs> I pray for ratification, anti-gentrification, and retribution for my people and for my mixed face or mixed race. I pray for this human race and face. I pray today as I walk the walk, I talk the talk, and I show folks it's okay to glow. I pray today. I swing low, follow the depths of the sweet chariot that's coming to carry me home. But I pray, and I continue to stay, and I show the reflection that light guides our echoes and strides through the waters of the underground railroads. So I pray. My feet will stay, and I rely on the important messages to the people. My feet, I pray, and I pray today with devoured Empowered people. people. This is not a sequel. I pray with my arms, my legs, and my entire body, and not just my feet. But when I'm moving in the movement, some days I walk the lands of a single footprint in the sand, and I step not to repeat. I pray for prosperity, for protection, and for folks who reach their peak. Well, I pray for folks to retrieve. I pray for folks who have grieved, and I pray for folks who have received nothing but the unfortunate, and for the weary and mentally weakened freaks. <laughs> Keep Portland weird, right? Nah, I pray today for moments of clarity, wealth and money, power, parity. I pray because some folks do reap when they cheat. Well, I pray just to make it today, and some will make it today. And I pray with my heart, my soul forever whole, and through the soil and shoe soles. I pray for control. I pray in my seat. And I pray over every meal because it might just be my last. So I thank the grace and the glory of God. Yes, I'm astonished by the act and the retreat. Well, tonight is our chance. And tonight we will dance. And tomorrow we will uncover and discover all cracks and leaks. In deep cover or in wide open spaces, I'm embracing and defacing while defecating on the steps of Poets Beach. But out of the fray and no longer afraid, I will continue to pray every day as I pray and I may pray. I may pray just to make it today. I will pray with my feet. So I give you this peace. John Slaughter, pray with my feet. Truth from the heart. Thank you. What's next on your calendar? Where are you going to be? Where can we Man, find you? Man, oh my God. So I actually, I, I just finished uh, doing a set at the uh, Irvington Block Party. Uh, that was dope this past Saturday. So uh, I, got, I got a lot on my plate, actually. So there is a, um, I coach, uh, not only. Uh, Girls basketball, right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I, uh, I actually just, um, I just stepped down, um, left PCC. I was the women's head basketball coach there. Uh, there's a fashion show coming up. Uh, September 30th, uh, Poetic Justice is um, kind of 
pretty much hosting this fashion show. You know, I I used to model uh, back in my high school and college yeah, days. How about that? Yeah, so I know a lot of individuals who are in the fashion yeah. industry. And so Poetic Justice is hosting this fashion show. We'll be um, having a kind of big gala with fashion, with the arts. Uh, I have some uh, well-known Portland uh, artists who uh, will be performing, Mighty, uh, dope, uh, shout out to Mighty, and um, uh, an RB singer from the Be Speak Project. So we'll be we'll be doing some poetry, fashion, September 30th. Uh, Poetic Justice, we do two shows a month. Uh, we'll be moving to uh, a new spot and location called uh, a bar called Home. So we'll be doing uh, Poetic Justice on uh, September 10th. I'll actually be joining uh, Portland Resistance and PSUAH, um, and we'll be marching in the streets September 10th downtown. So Poetic Justice will be, of course, leading the way with uh, Hands Up, Don't Shoot, uh, Portland Resistance, and just doing some poetry, of course, in uh, kind of guerrilla warfare in the streets. All right. Yeah. And so I also be – I have um, another show October uh, 31st on Halloween, uh, which is a Tuesday. Uh, and so, you know, you can find Poetic Justice. Uh, we have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, the website. Like I said, we have the uh, two shows per month. Uh, but – I love to also get in the classrooms, and so uh, I'm also working. My my wife is a vice principal, <laughs> so uh, over at Hosford Middle School. So I also be will be doing some poetic justice curriculum there throughout the school year. I'll be at Park Middle School this year doing some poetic justice curriculum uh, for the kids there, and then also uh, still um, taking on my show I, on tour and trying to get as many schools as possible. All right, great. John Slaughter, uh, thank you for being with me. Thank you for what you do. It's, no. it's been uh, an honor to know you and John, to, get to meet you this past month. I'll tell you this. I thank you so much for being that that individual who was guiding that hand for the show. I thank you so much because without you, I, I, I definitely wouldn't have been able to get the show <laughs> off the ground and even going. But I also thank you because you, you give individuals like myself and artists and uh, activists a chance to spread the word, um, the good word. Um, about the revolution, about peace, but then also about um, good works here in Portland. So I thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Yes, sir. This is the Beloved Community on KBOO. Resources for activism. Every second Friday at 9 a.m. Up next, the sounds of Hawaii. He's recognized as one of the top guitarists in the United States by Guitar Player Magazine. His songs range from traditional to highly original, both instrumental and lyrical, exploring a broad spectrum of themes, cultural, philosophical, sociopolitical, economic, interpersonal, sensual, and universal, often through the lens of humor and sharp wit. He is Makana, and he's on tour. He'll be in Portland October 3rd at the Alberta Rose. Welcome, Makana, to the beloved community. Thank you. Aloha. Hey, how did you get your start uh, playing? And, and, and can you talk about your teacher or your teachers? Sure. Well, I was very blessed to grow up in Hawaii. I grew up on the island of Oahu, and I first started out in uh, music singing in the Honolulu Boy Choir and then picked up ukulele, which a lot of children are exposed to here in Hawaii. And then I discovered at about 10 or 11 years old this very beautiful, traditional, indigenous Hawaiian folk heritage art form uh, that's very rare. 
It's called Kihoalu. Uh, in English, it translates to slack key guitar. And it's called that because the keys are slacked. And I can explain more of the technical later, but essentially I, I stumbled into it and um, learned from first Bobby Madero Jr., who's a very famous Hawaiian singer at this point. At that time, he was just a young boy of 20 and I was 10. He became like a big brother to me. And he taught me the one of the family traditions from one of the old Hawaiian masters named Raymond Kane. I learned from Bobby for two years. And then when I was 13, uh, I was so blessed to meet the, the living master, Sonny Chillingworth. And he was a legend. He he had gold records and he was just an incredible influence in Hawaiian music history. And I became his last student at 13, uh, received a grant from the State Foundation on Culture and the Arts and learned from him for almost a year. And then he passed away right after that. And you mentioned uh, the style. Tell me how this works. Slack key guitar, S-L-A-C-K-K-E-Y, slack key, is a style that if you if you think of cultural guitar form styles like Spain has flamenco, Brazil has bossa nova, the 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 south and the delta has the blues. So Hawaii has Hawaiian slack key guitar, and we call it that because of it, it, there's two ways to describe it. One is the way of tuning, and the other is the the style or the approach of playing. The way of tuning is really unique. There are tunings that are unique to some of the the old families, you know, almost 200 years old. And these tunings uh, sound very exotic, um, and they are chords. So by tuning the guitar to a chord, the hand no longer has to hold the chord. It can be freed up to alter the sound, and then the picking hand creates a bass pattern with a rhythm and a melody. So like a, a typical bass pattern would be like, Dong, 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 or dong, 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 dong. And that goes as a strumming rhythm and a lead melody is played all at the same time in this special tuning. And the result is the listener hears three guitar parts and it, it really resonates big, especially because a lot of the, the melody happens only on the high strings. So all the lower strings that are doing the bass and the rhythm are open. We're not touching them. So that creates a really big resonance. It's very different than, say, walking jazz or classical, where you might have a bass line, but you're fretting it, so you don't have as much resonance. Black key guitar is all about resonance and and simulating three guitars in one. I'm speaking with Makana. We're talking about slack key uh, style of playing, and the song uh, Napo'o Kala uh, illustrates that well, doesn't it? Yeah, that's uh, all played on a single guitar, no overdub. Well, we're going to hear a little bit of that.
That name means uh, Napo'okala. Napo'okala means the setting of the sun. And I wrote that song over a week period of going down to the ocean and with my feet in the water, standing on the sand, and just trying to turn the sunset into sound. And I noticed how light would reflect off of the clouds. And, you know, growing up in Hawaii, we become professional sunset watchers. So I noticed that the key ingredient to a good sunset is clouds because those clouds will, ref, will refract and reflect the light. And that's some of the sounds that I tried to convey in the song. I'm speaking with Makana. He is going. He is on tour now. He's going to be in Portland October 3rd uh, with an evening of Hawaiian music. Uh, and this is from uh, your website. I want to read this paragraph that you wrote. I am by default participating in a fierce competition for democratic expression, meaning that I, the citizen, compete with giant corporations for influence over government policy. And the determining factor of such is a politician who is essentially another competitor in such a system and that his or her choices are swayed by capital, which in terms of amount, there can be no comparison. I have little and the corporations have much, but I have a voice. Lend me your ear. Makana, what voices need hearing and, and what do you hear them saying? Well, you know, that's a big, big question. I think. You know, the simplest answer to that giant question that comes to my mind is there are real needs and then there are fictional needs. And we have created, we've collectively created a society in a world where we uh, have confused the difference of those two. And we've assigned value to things of no value. And we've we've, uh, you know, removed value from things of great value. So uh, we're living in a, a distorted vision of what's real, and that creates conflict. It creates conflict within and without, in between each other. And so, you know, a lot of, a lot of what is determined to be of value is, is told to us through corporate media, um, through the education system, through the existing uh, infrastructure in, in society socially and whatnot. And so the voice that needs hearing is that inner voice. And I, I do my best to not only listen to the inner voice, but to cultivate it and give it, give it uh, a sound through my art. When people hear you um, and in concert, uh, let's say, say coming up in, in Portland, uh, what can they expect? It's always best to expect nothing, but... Um, <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> I, I, do a, I do a broad range. It's very difficult for people to sell me in terms of like marketing or publicity because I'm one of those artists that kind of does everything. Um, but specifically... I always do, um, I always say homage to my masters. I always show my roots. I, I think it's important and, and, and valuable and beautiful. 
And, and so a good part of the show, I go deep into the guitar and I sing as well. And I, I do songs of my homeland of Hawaii, some in English, some in Hawaiian. And beyond that, um, there are two other main genres that I like to go into. One of them is kind of the 1960s, 1970s troubadour folk vibe, like a la James Taylor and that kind of thing. I do my own spin on a few of those classics. And then I, I write a lot of music. And some of my more popular uh, original music is, um, and I always say I don't do political music. I just write about things that are relevant to people's lives. So those are some of the songs I go into. Now, one of the songs that uh, you may be singing uh, is We Are the Many, uh, an anthem uh, for the Occupy Wall Street movement. Can you tell me about how this song got started and and, uh, what you're doing with it? Sure, that's quite a story. Um, Basically, back in 2011, I just had come home from New York. The Occupy Wall Street movement was growing, and, and I don't generally join movements. They turn into mobs. I'd like to think for myself. And although I may agree with the general concept, I don't like to associate myself with movements. I, I'm an artist and I just like to share my viewpoint. It so happened that uh, I came home and there was an article in the New York Times that really pissed me off. And it basically mocked my generation and said, you know, there's this big movement going on. Where's the music? It said, you know, the, the movement lacks melody and were this to be happening 30 or 40 years ago, we would have tons of anthems and songs, but we just hear silence, a pin drop from the young generation. I guess they're not educated in economics. And it really like chastised my generation. So I sat down on my living room floor and with my guitar in, in four hours, penned this song called We Are The Many. And uh, it was just my response to that article. Anyway, the song got finished. I thought, oh, I should put it up on online. So I started making a YouTube video and it had a lot of historical context that I created for it. And coincidentally, I got a call from the White House and I had previously played at the White House in 2009 under the Obamas. And so I got reinvited to perform at a, a world leaders dinner, which would be hosted by the Obamas featuring 21 presidents and prime ministers. I accepted and it so happened that the night of the dinner, um, it was so funny. You know, I don't know if people are into numbers, but I released the song on November 11, 2011, which is 11, 11, 11. And it e- immediately went viral. And the next day I was to play the world leaders dinner. So as soon as it started going viral, this happened in 24 hours, I got calls and emails from people I haven't talked to in years. And it just, everyone was like, I know you're going to play for the president. You have to play this song. And I, I told everybody, you guys are crazy. I can't play this song at this dinner. They, they want me to play nice, sweet Hawaiian music. And anyway, I, I kept it in the back of my mind. I didn't know what I would do. I got to the dinner and it was very intense, high security. And I mean, it was a scene. You couldn't even get in seven mile radius. It was so high security. And I started playing and they had me for two hours. And after an hour, I finally had enough courage to to do it. And I had a shirt underneath my jacket that said Occupy with Aloha that my friend had made for me. And I slowly unbuttoned my shirt and uh, started going in the song. And because the Obamas were very busy talking to the Chinese premier and all the other presidents and prime ministers were just sitting there listening to me. 
it was an amazing situation. It was like a, a modern version of uh, Emperor's New Clothes. It was like huh. no one wanted to break the protocol and say, hey, he's singing this song and accusing of us of all of these things. What the hell? I just kept singing it because they were under the impression Obama wanted me to sing it, but he was busy uh, talking to the premier of China. So I got away with singing it for 45 minutes, and then my guitar tech filmed it, and we sent it to the news, and it became the number one story in the world on Yahoo and inspired a lot of people. And we're going to hear that song right now, We Are the Many, from Makana. Come here, gather around the stage. The time has come for us to voice our rage Against the ones who've trapped us in a cage To steal from us the value of our wage From underneath the vestiture of law The lobbyists at Washington do not at liberty, the bureaucrats guffaw And until they are purged, we won't withdraw We'll occupy the streets We'll occupy the courts We'll occupy the offices of you Till you do The bidding of the many, not the few nation was built upon the right of every person to improve their plight the laws of this republic they rewrite and now a few own everything in sight they own it free of liability they own that they are not like you and me Their influence dictates legality And until they are stopped, we are not free We'll occupy the streets We'll occupy the courts We'll occupy the offices of you Till you do the bidding of the many, not the few. You enforce your monopolies with guns While sacrificing our daughters and sons But certain things belong to everyone your theory has left the people none So take heed of our notice to redress We had little to lose, we must confess Your empty words to leave us unimpressed A growing number join us in protest We occupy the streets we occupy the courts, we occupy the offices of you, till you do. The bidding of the many, 
not the few You can't divide us into sides And from our gaze you cannot hide Denial serves to amplify And our allegiance you can't buy Our government is not for sale The banks do not deserve a bail uh, Makana, uh, we are the many. Uh, so uh, when uh, d- did Obama's, uh, did the president talk to you about it afterward? They found out through the news and um, the uh, I, I got some fierce uh, emails from the State Department. But after a while, they dropped the issue because I made an insurance policy by going on the news. And if you Google CNN Makana, it's a pretty funny story. Um, that's me live. And it, it looks fake because the background is, is Waikiki. It's so beautiful. It looks like a green screen. The whole thing is, is, is like a fantasy. Um, it's amazing. And, uh, I basically was asked by the CNN, uh, interviewer. He said, so do you think you're in any kind of trouble? And I responded live on international TV. I said, for what? Singing? I said, if I'm in trouble for singing, this country has major problems. And and that was my insurance right there. So I got away with it. Absolutely. Well, you have certainly earned a lot of cred there by getting uh, nasty emails from the State Department. <laughs> Makana is my guest on the uh, beloved community. Uh, tell, tell me about this this other song that, that I that I want to play a little bit of, too, as well. Song for Sonny. Oh, great. I'm glad you discovered that one. Song for Sunny was the first song I ever wrote. Uh, I was 15. Um, my dear friend, Robi Kahakalau, who is a Hawaiian scholar and singer, helped me with the Hawaiian language section of the song. And I, I wrote this the day after I found out Uncle Sunny passed away. And um, it was just a very, you know, they asked me to play at his service. And, and I just put down my feelings on paper. I was just a child. Um, this song really honors not only uh, our kupuna, and now in Hawaii, we're very, very, very uh, respectful of and esteem highly the kupuna, the elders. They are um, the, the bearers of all of the wisdom and, and you know, the, the leaders of, of the society from that cultural perspective. And um, so that honors them. And also people who have come to Hawaii, moved here, decided to come live in Hawaii and embrace the host culture and the values, which I think is the most important thing um, to maintaining our sense of place. So that song honors all of those people.
on the beloved community. Tell me, uh, before we go, I've got to uh, tell me about Hawaii and and the values. You talked about the, uh, the importance of elders. What other values uh, do you bring from Hawaii uh, that the rest of the world could use right now? Hawaii means Hawaii. Hawaii, Hawaii is fresh water. Ha is the breath of life. Ee is little. That that little place where the waters of life are flowing, and Hawaii is is land centric, meaning like all of the perception and the value is around the land. The system of land management, which is called ahupua'a, is how they divide the land. And really, there's a term that we try to live by called aloha aina. Aloha aina. Aina is the land, and ai is the word to eat. So aina is that which feeds us. Aloha, aloha is to share the recognition of the breath of life. So aloha aina is to really acknowledge that the life of humanity is is in the value of healthy land, is in the caring of that land. There's a phrase in Hawaii, ua mau ke aina, ikapono, which means, only through a balanced relationship with the land can life be perpetuated. And so that's, I think, the biggest value. And then there's the, 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 the spiritual value of aloha, which is almost like namaste. It's a recognition. It's an action of recognizing yourself in the other. So as we perceive others, we also perceive them as ourselves. It transcends the pronoun war, I like to call it, where we recognize that, you know, I just posted yesterday on Twitter, I said, you know, it's rare to uh, find this in the world, but it's important to act from a space of considering other, how your actions will affect others, and that's called empathy. And so uh, I think that's built into the value system here. Makana will be in uh, Portland. Uh, he's on tour now. He'll be in Portland October 3rd uh, at the Alberta Rose, a Hawaiian evening with Makana. Uh, thank you for being with me, and thank you for your music and your work. Aloha. Thanks, John. Aloha. You're in a better place. And that's the show. You've been listening to The Beloved Community. Go to the website, kboo.fm, and look under the list of programs for Beloved Community for a podcast of this show and podcasts of all episodes of The Beloved Community. Catch The Beloved Community every second Friday at 9 a.m. on KBOO. I'm John Schock. Be well.